Hi everyone, I'm Ray Otis, and this is a very special holiday plundergrounds. I added the very special bit to make you think you're getting something great, but the truth is I pulled out some old recordings to throw at you while I'm away on vacation. But hey, you probably haven't heard them, and they are good. Really, they are very special. This recording is the first hangout that I ever ran for my Plundergrounds Patreon. The topic was solo gaming, and my subject matter expert guest was Sophia Brandt. Sophia was a key player in the Lone Wolf Google Plus community for solo gamers, and she created the Die Heart blog, which featured lots of solo and free game resources and reviews. Once we got the hangout going, we were joined by Slade Stoller, author of the role-playing game Dust, Fog, and Glowing Embers, and by Michael Barford, a frequent gamer in the Gauntlet Online Play community and a contributor of ideas to Plundergrounds. Solo gaming is an area of the hobby that really interests me. I think it's obvious that it grew out of choose-your-own-adventure books, early interactive fiction computer games like Zork, and the tradition of solitaire play in wargaming. Perhaps it's worth a podcast or two in the future. In the meantime, here is the Hangout. Oh, wait. I should point out that there is some pre-Hangout talk at the beginning that I left in because of something funny Sophia said about her kid. Feel free to skip past it. I put a section break between it and the official start of the conversation. So now, here's the Hangout. I noticed on one of your blogs, you said that, or in your Die Hard blog, you said you had a, um, do you have just one child? Oh, I have two. Two have girls. two, yeah. And, and how old are they? Four and one. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're in that very needy phase, right? They want all of your time. <laughs> yeah, so solo role playing is very good. Oh. Hi, Michael. You're muted. Hi, Michael. Go ahead and turn on your mic if you want. Sure. How's it going, Ray? Good. How are you? Good. So I also have the obligatory cat. Oh, okay. She's gone. <laughs> because the internet likes cats. So I have a cat. <laughs> We saw the tail. Texas paid. Yep. Okay. Yeah, okay. We saw, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a cat. <laughs> I have one of each. Uh, the fur kids, cat and a dog, but they. Uh, I'm in the office right now, so they're not going to show up. <laughs> uh, and I have. Uh, you were talking about your kids. I have two boys, but they're 13 and 17, so they're out of that phase of uh, needing all my attention. Yeah, I'm really hoping that I can play um, role-playing games with my kids when they are a bit um, older. I've played um, one game or two games with my four-year-old with a very minimalist uh, system, more like, um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, make-believe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit difficult with four years old because uh, she, she really doesn't know the tropes, so... <laughs> The first time I, I played uh, with her, um, and there was a thing in the well. Um, it's from the from the codec codex in uh, Dungeon World. And the Dungeon World codex. There's a monster, the thing in the well, <laughs> and then uh, she wanted to be the thing in the well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. To be someone, some adventurer. <laughs> it's it's both great and terrible that kids have like no 
idea of like where they're supposed to position themselves fictionally, right? They don't understand yeah. the tropes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Slade, hi. Hi, how's it going? Hi. Great. Yeah, congrats uh, for your Kickstarter success. Oh, thank you very much. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm scary. looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Slater, are you just using uh, regular old iPod uh, like headphones? I am, yes. They sound really good. Do they? Yeah. Oh, oh, the the microphone. No, the microphone's much nicer. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, like, wow, that's a that's. <laughs> I didn't realize they sounded that good. Uh, no, that explains it. Very big pop guard and everything. Oh wow, you're you're a pro. It's a big mess. I was really excited that I was going to be um, making a podcast, and then I didn't. Uh, but it's it's nice for G chat and uh, you know hangout games and everything. Right. Um, just mine. Yeah, I got one of those blue microphones too, but I'm not uh, experienced at using it yet. So that's what I'm running right now. I don't know how my voice, what the quality sounds like, but seems good. Yeah, I uh, picked up the the blue snowball ice uh, recently, uh, but unfortunately, I'm still working with a Chromebook. Um, oh, oh me, me too. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I feel like it's a little, at least the one I have. So now it's like, I've got this nice microphone, but I can't use Audacity or anything. So, <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got the same. I mean, except mine's the, the, the like shiny one. I don't know why I grabbed that <laughs> one, but it reminds me of uh, the old uh, movie version of War of the Worlds. They had the, the ships and they, Look like manta rays, but they had one eye that came up, and it looked like those snowballs. Yeah. All right, uh, we've got a few people. I've sent out some invites. We may have some more straggling in, but let's uh, let's kind of go ahead um, and do some quick introductions. Uh, you know, I'm Ray. Um, you probably have seen me around the internet. I write Plundergrounds, which is why you uh, probably found out about this hangout. Uh, I like both. Maybe I'm an odd duck this way, but I like both old school role playing games uh, and uh, you know indie games. Uh, I play them in alternation pretty consistently, so I don't really get the rift that other people talk about. <laughs> uh, and I've been playing since, honest to goodness, probably since '75 or '76. So there you go, uh, Sophia. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Sophia. I um, I play. Our games, um, like Ray, I like um, both both kind of games. I have a bit of problem with some of the more indie stuff, like Fate. <laughs> I tried Fate, but it really didn't click for me. Um, yeah, I like uh, solo role playing games. That's why I'm here. Um, my first game was uh, a German game, uh, Das Schwarze Auge. Um, it's been translated into English, I think. It's kind of a very complicated system. And then my second game was D&D 3.5. <laughs> and I still remember how confused I was because there were so many rules and I really didn't get what to do when we get to the, got to the grid-based combat. <laughs> so I really mm. said, okay, 
I don't know what to do. Just, just tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, it was this was really complicated. I um I mostly like um I like um roots light games. So uh, stuff like Pathfinder is not really my my forte. Right, Michael, how about you? Uh, yeah. So, um, I th I think I've I've been interested in role playing games for a long time. Um, you know, it's just seeing the books, I would just like pick them up at Barnes and Noble or wherever and just read them. I never really was in a geographic location where there were a lot of role players that I could find, at least. Um, but that's what kind of led me to online gaming and where I've met a lot of. Uh, cool people. Um, the Gauntlet community is is what tips me on to to your uh, Zine Ray and your involvement there. Um, looking at now, I've read lots of games, but uh, as far as playing, I've mostly um, played PBTA games at this at this time. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, but I love fantasy stuff. That in itself. <laughs> That in itself covers a pretty wide range, actually. <laughs> yeah. But I haven't uh, played a lot yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, Slade, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I can't pass because I'm the last person here. Um, <laughs> so uh, we used to play a lot of Vampire and AD&D in the basement in high school. And then at college, I met a different group of friends, and we played the heck out of 3.5 and continued on with some of our vampire werewolf stuff. I took a good break after that, and when I got back, I was living in a totally new city, so I was looking at online gaming opportunities. And the first Google Hangouts game I played, I don't think I said five words because I was just so worried about interrupting people. There's no... That face-to-face -face is just so much... So just so different from from online gaming and there's no lag and you can see the people and you can throw dice at them and you can you know there's a, a lot more interaction and it was very jarring but i think i'm getting over it uh, <laughs> it, it is very difficult that timing thing is very hard uh, not to talk over people uh, so all right uh so i you know, I got interested in solo role-playing, I don't know, pretty early, I guess, but it's something, it's an interest that kind of comes and goes for me, depending on, I think with a lot of us, it's kind of time constraints, and sometimes it drives us back to it, or investigating a new system, or testing out something that we're going to run uh, that maybe drives us back to it. But I had a little bit of show and tell. Um, if I can get, let's see, I'm going to screen share, if I can remember how to do this. Uh, uh, my first solo role-playing experience was uh, um, in the Melee system. I don't know if anybody has ever seen this, if you've seen, seen this, but this was a micro game. Right. Yeah, in the 70s, it came in a little digest size thing in a baggie with some dice and a map. Um, but they had a, a put out a book that was a choose-your-own-adventure style uh, solo role-playing game called Death Test. And I died many times in this book. Um, you can see it's one of those numbered passages. Um, and this map was a, was a blank map, but they would tell you in each, uh, in each 
Um, well, so here, it, uh, like on number 71, it says you're in the Azure room, set up your figures in the entry hexes. You see four goblins in the center. You can attack or turn around to leave. So we give you these program choices and how to set up the map. And then mostly it was just about fighting things and finding treasure. But that was, uh, that was my uh, first experience with solo role-playing. What, uh, what was your first solo game, Sophia? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I know that many, um, I think the, the um, people from the UK um, had these gaming books, um, fighting fantasy gaming books. And right. I, um, I, play, I think I played some of them too because they were translated into German, but I, I can't really remember um, what they were called. So um, I think that was the same. So it's also these uh, like um, continue to number 70 or something like that so where you have like this pre-programmed adventures and you eh, you can decide which path to go yes so that may have been my first uh, first experience and um after that um the other was uh quite recently when when i got interested in in the whole topic um and it was uh, from john fiore uh, the nine cues, which is one of the solar systems out there. He's one of the first people in the internet. I know of that has like sparked the interest or made solo engines um, for us to use. Right. I was actually looking at the nine cues uh, earlier today. It's John Fiore. Is he, you said that's who wrote that. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. in a nutshell yeah. to me, it, it's, it, it's very much that kind of, um, Yes, yes, and yes, but no, no, and no, but kind of stratification yeah, well, of results, right? Yeah, not really. It's, he's got it's okay. like a, a narrative framework for um, for creating stories. So um, he had a very, very, very good blog. John Furo is probably the most knowledgeable <laughs> guy on the internet about solo role playing, um, but. Uh, his blog is is private now, so I don't know really why. So he's still on G plus. So if you find posts by him, they are always excellent. He has really good ideas, and um, yeah. So um, this was, I think, this was the second engine. Um, the first one was the Mystic Game Master emulator, and that's the one that almost everyone knows. Um, if you've ever been interested in solo role playing and this was written by Tana Pigeon and this is more like like a yeah, yes no system it's like a yes no oracle system mm -hmm. I think the, the name a game master emulator is a bit misleading mm, but we can get <laughs> get into it later on but actually yeah, so um, yeah the idea behind this is that you ask the game master emulator or the solar engine questions uh, like you would ask an actual gm and then you have uh, like a table you can roll on and it gives you um, different chances for yes or no it seems kind of like a magic eight ball or something right yeah, yeah. Almost. yeah. yeah. Say that. so actually these are these are really two good systems to kind of start out talking about because i, I just opened up nine questions again and i yeah i had totally gotten that mixed up with a different one um <laughs> uh, the, they, what's interesting about these two systems are, I feel like these are, represent kind of a split in what GM emulators or what uh, tools for solo role playing do. One of them, one of them is kind of a resolution mechanic, like the Mythic, where it's 
yeah. giving you answers to questions. And the other one is more of a narrative prompt system. So like the nine questions has questions like uh, what, what unusual events occur soon afterwards, and then it mm. gives you some instructions on how to follow up. So um, do you ever use systems like that in combo, or do you tend to kind of go with one or the other? Um, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I think you, you need some kind of resolution system in one way or the other. So it can be a complicated system or can be a really simple system, like it has no system. So that's like more or less like a given. Okay. Um, but if you don't have like a framework, um, something like the nine queues or other frameworks, um, you can even use the five uh, room dungeon system, um, which is probably quite well known because it's mm -hmm. all originally a, a, an adventure. But if you don't have a framework, most of the games tend to get out of hand <laughs> because um, normally uh, in a normal game, you um, you have the GM to keep uh, track of pacing. And if you don't have that, um, my my ten my games tend to fizzle out because you just go into one direction and the other direction and um that's probably a good idea to to mention the the most interesting thing about <laughs> solo roping is a game which is originally designed for um as a social game for more than one player mostly for one gm and several players <laughs> and you have to bring all these roads um under one umbrella and that's the part, an interesting part about solo role playing. Yeah, it is. It's um, I think a lot. What confuses a lot of people, right? Because they think, how do you a role playing game by definition is something you can't play on your own? Is what the I think the assumption is. And when somebody first sits down to play a role playing game solo, it's a little you can your mind can just kind of explode because you uh, <laughs> don't quite know what to do at first, and then you. I find that once you fall into it, it feels very natural in some ways. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, there are some misconceptions because some parts you can't really get with solo role playing, like the social part is a bit difficult, at least during play, <laughs> because you're the only one there. So yeah. um, there was someone at the Lone Wolf G plus um, community, which is a good place. <laughs> go for solo yeah. playing and that said yeah there is a social aspect in solo playing with sharing your actual plays um, because the community is very active but during the game <laughs> you are alone so there is no no not much interaction you you don't have other people to talk to um, you you don't have yeah other characters to talk to or, or other players that play these characters so that's that's not that's not possible in many ways. Some people try to um, use engines to emulate players. Um, that's possible too, but it's still you're still alone, and you still need some tools to like fake <laughs> fake the interaction. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, you mentioned the lone wolf uh, uh, community. One of my questions on here had to do with just setting up that, which was. I was going to ask if there's a lot of people out there doing solo role playing, but the answer really is if you go visit the Lone Wolf uh, role playing uh, um, community on Google Plus, there's a thousand and some members, and it's quite active. Yeah, yeah. we uh, hit 
1000 members um, some time ago. Yeah, the name is a bit uh, confusing perhaps because some people think it's only about the lone wolf role-playing game. Um, but the community is about community is about all role-playing games. So, yeah, I just found I found that um, also per accident. <laughs> so it's not my community. Um, the the guy behind this is um, someone called um, I don't know how how to pronounce this Alex Jari or Yari. Mm -hmm. So it's his community, and um, yeah, I think he also has a blog, uh, which is called uh, soloroleplayer.com, I think. Okay, keeping track of all our mentions here, so we can make sure to get links out <laughs> later. <laughs> um, yeah. so we have yeah. some we have some other people that joined us. Uh, just an FYI, so actually, uh, looks like some people have popped in and popped out both. But uh, who else is out there? Do you want to introduce yourselves or um, chip in a question or comment, Carl or Steve? They may just want to lurk. We'll let them. We'll let them pop in as they feel comfortable. Um, so, the yeah. I mean, I think you, you mentioned um, that. So there's this weird thing. We're in a. Let's imagine we're in a a solo role playing experience now. And and you mentioned that obtaining the social aspect of it is obviously very hard. Although I agree, when you share your results, that's kind of a social thing. Um, but that's more like talking after the game as opposed to yeah. the social interaction at the table. And then the other thing that's hard to get in the in the experience is this element that I like, the, the thing I actually really love about role-playing games is how people surprise you. Um, the, the GM or other players surprise you by, you know, turning the fiction in a direction you didn't expect or introducing an element you didn't expect. And so you can kind of simulate that with some of the different tools that are out there, but that's the other thing that's kind of hard to get. And I was going to ask you about when you, when you're doing a, a solo role-playing experience um, and this could, anybody can answer this honestly, um, which is, I'm always curious how much time um, you spend in the wearing the GM's hat and how much time you spend wearing a single character's hat or a multiple character's hat, what your preference is. In other words, have you ever uh, tried to play one where you're, you really try to stay in the viewpoint of one character or um, or do you just always find yourself hopping around? Yeah, that's a very good question. And um, yeah, the question which uh, cuts to the heart of role-playing in some ways. So um, yeah, I try to like compartmentalize between the two different roles. Mm. Um, like I already said, the, the name GM emulator is a bit misleading because as a solo role player, you uh, have the role of the player or the player char characters. You can play one or you can play more than one. And you, but you also have to be the GM in some ways. So because the, 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 the solo engine, um, yeah, it's still a machine <laughs> or a simple oracle, but it's not. It's it can't really react to all the different things that players do. So um, it it gives you a prompt, but you have to uh, interpret the prompt. So there's always some kind of interpretation you have to do, um, and so there's always the fine line between um, being the GM and doing 
quite a logical thing to do. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, if players go into a dungeon and um, and and uh, they they meet uh, there there is a monster, so then you can say as a GM, okay, this monster has the instinct uh, protect their young. So, will it protect its young? That's may, might be a logical thing to do, where you just decide, okay, that that's the thing that will happen now, and then can't decide everything, then it's kind kind of boring. <laughs> so you you also have to try to surprise yourself as the player, and that's where the solo engine comes in. And you might ask a question like, yeah, okay, so the logical thing to do would be, okay, this this spider tries to protect its instinct, the dungeon word instinct. Uh, protects its youngling but uh, does it really do that so let's, right. let's try to randomize that by using a solo engine where i ask the solo engine okay will this actually happen yeah and then and you really have to, to walk the line between between asking too many questions down um but it's still um yeah still asking some questions so you get surprised <laughs> Right. Otherwise, it's it's kind of it's kind of linear. It's just yeah, okay. This happens and this happens. That that's not a game. It's more like like a writing exercise. I uh, well, and sometimes it does feel a little bit like a writing exercise, but uh, or creative exercise. I you said a couple words in there that I thought were really key. One of them was compartmentalize, um, and it is true that what you find yourself doing is trying to compartmentalize what the GM would know, what the character would know. Um, you know, so for instance, the GM knows that that it's potentially the the monster is protecting its young. The player might might not get that right away. Might the eggs, you know, like let's say there's eggs, they might not even be visible. And so you you try to kind of um, you kind of put try to put up little soft barriers in your mind between uh, whose hat you're wearing now and what they know versus that you know versus the GM and all yeah. that. So that's tough, uh, but kind of fun. And um, and the funny thing about that is if you don't do that if you kind of um, it's not very fun like like you're it, like ch cheating cheating at solo role playing is really dumb because you're you're, you're only cheating your own fun right uh, yeah. and the other the other thing I thought you said that was good to me which is just the word interpretation so a lot of these um, solo engines I, I find that sometimes playing a, a solo role playing game is a bit like reading a tarot deck or something. Um, you you want uh, stimulus from the from these tools that that give you something that you wouldn't have come up with on your own um, without this prompt, and then you take this prompt and you think, okay, well, so like a good example is Rory's Story Cubes, which is a, a tool that a lot of people use that you know, and they have these pictures on them of different things, and so yeah, wait, you roll have, these. Um, and, go ahead. Yeah, I've yeah, I've um, like got someone I've, hand. I've prepared some kind of my uh, from my, my collection so I have this uh, okay, yeah so see this so this these are the row of story cubes so these are little uh, little dice with images so they are pretty popular and then there's also oh, wait uh, to your okay. to your right a little bit. Okay, so, okay, so it's a flashlight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a <laughs> right. flashlight. So yeah, you have little images. Uh, yeah, but when these images come up, um, yeah, you you have to interpret what they mean. So <laughs> those are how I uh, tricked my mom into playing a role playing game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the first time. Yeah. That was with that. So there's also an Android app and an iOS app for that if you 
like digital tools. I uh, apologize if there's some kind of format to this. I'm joining in a bit late. Uh, is there any kind of formal speaking? You're on it. You, you, you've got the floor. Oh, okay. So, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Don't worry about it. As a, uh, as a solo gamer who happens to be blind, this discussion of image interpretation is interesting because I don't usually have access to techniques that y'all seem to use with story cubes and whatnot. And unfortunately, the iOS and Android apps are not accessible in my uh, situation and I what kind of uh, process they could go through to make that work. Somebody at one point went through and actually typed up the uh, original set of story cubes in like a giant Word document so I could theoretically roll a bunch of dice to quite a, sort of simulate them, but it's honestly kind of a tedious procedure. Um, <laughs> My, yeah. sorry, go on. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that my uh, interest area is how much of this stuff, how much of this wisdom depends a lot on the genre of game you're interested in running. I love investigative games, for instance, in the Call of Cthulhu vein, but find them really hard to solo. And yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I um, I haven't played an investigative game per se, so um, yeah, I, I have some. I'm pretty sure that someone has <laughs> because <laughs> all kinds of people play these games. So um, yeah, perhaps I can uh, find yeah, something um, on the fly. Ahead, but, um, yeah, for for the uh, for the image tools, um, I don't think it's necessary to use images as as prompts. You can use words, or you can use other things. So, um, if the story cubes or the other image uh, cubes, of course, don't work for you, um, there are other tools. Um, for example, the Mystic GME do doesn't have um, um, doesn't have image tools. Um, there are some lists for um, uh, interpreting events that are like weird, <laughs> like, um, wait, let me find an example. You just have something like, um, yeah, procrastinate prison or something like that. So <laughs> it's just words. <laughs> you have to find out what they mean in the context of your game. That works too. And the good thing about the Mystic um, Game Master emulator system is that there are a lot of uh, unofficial, uh, unofficial tools, um, um, online tools that use them. So, for example, um, oh, especially for Mystic, there are a lot. So, um, the I think the Adventure Smith um, app, the Android app, which is excellent, has um, a Mythic Fate chart. And um, yeah. For me, I think there are tons of tools online. So, is the Zachary Smith is, the one? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was. I was just going to ask you, Zachary. Um, something uh, as a person who, who with sight, um, 
something I, I am often inspired by are like visual images, visual art, things like that. I see a really interesting drawing or painting and I say, well, I want to see what adventures lie in there. So for a person without sight, what uh, sort of things inspire you in that similar way? Uh, scenario hooks, maybe. Um, although, to be honest, I mean, I do struggle coming up with it, it's a false starts and figuring out, okay, I've got a character here, but what exactly do I do with him? Um, I honestly sometimes you know, have more fun creating characters in, in game systems that make that kind of interactive in itself than actually putting the characters through any sort of scenario. <laughs> sure. Like I've really enjoyed rolling up Traveler PCs, but actually doing anything with them is another story. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you ever find inspiration um, from mediums outside, like from other senses? Like, do you hear a song that's inspiring to you? Or uh, I suppose even the smell. I think these are things that I would take for granted. Books, books probably mostly. would be a good yeah yeah i i read a lot and so it's like well that's interesting maybe i could run with something along those lines but i feel like a lot of times in my case it's more this might be theoretically interesting but actually working up the motivation to this to motivation and self-discipline to action is hard <laughs> yeah sorry for going off on a tangent i was just really interested in your perspective there no worries. Yeah, I don't. I, I thought that was a great uh, point of view to bring. I, we think about there's, there, there. Like Sophia said, there probably are many tools that are kind of text based, um, but there are other things to consider. It'd be, I'm imagining now like a random sound generator or something that <laughs> that would be really fun. You hear a, a gurgling noise or a scream in another room or something that might inspire uh, uh, some creativity. I'm just thinking here about. Uh, this this topic has brought up logistics in in my mind. I'm thinking about how much of the, I guess, overhead of solo RPG stuff can be uh, facilitated or by setup. A lot of the problem I run into sometimes is that games are very table heavy for instance, and so the process of the cognitive, I guess, load of look up this entry in a table or run through this you know, procedure can be kind of taxing because I have to consult the game in a digital format that is not ideal to begin with. Whereas in a sighted, from a sighted person's perspective, you can just flip open a book and be like, okay, so it's a table or I bookmarked it or whatever. So it's a lot less mentally taxing, I guess. I don't know how that works out in practice. but I think there are some very simple tools that you can use where you don't need a lot of um, system. I, I actually played a solo game a while back with the Itris B rules, which are a set of cards that, that give you the... So you, you pose a fictional question uh, from your character's viewpoint, and then the card gives you an answer that's like, yes, but um, something, uh, you, you know, it gives you an, an extra bit of, I can't think of one off the top of my head, 
it's a yes, but it's a yes, but, uh, you know, you find a disturbing clue that, uh, that, uh, that relates to one of your friends or something like that. And then you have to go forward from there. And it's really, that system isn't at all about, uh, ticking down hit points or, or making attack rolls or anything. So there are some, I guess that it, it would be very light, but I do find that most of the time when I'm solo role playing, I have multiple screens, multiple pieces of paper, whatever it is that I'm kind of looking back and forward between. And you're saying that they, just, um, your own press preference also, what, what you like to, to do. Do you like a lot of prep? Do you like to, to prepare your setting? Do you like to, yeah, to, to create a lot of context for your game beforehand? Um, it can be easier to, to play a game with, when you have context because um, if something random happens then um, you have a clue what, what that could be because you already know a lot of, about the setting. Um, like for example, let's say you, you play an old school game um, and you, you create a hex map before and you might already know what, what happens there or you have might have a clue. and um, and that's also the case if you use a published um, setting like or a, a, a well-known setting like a Star Wars or something like that. If you use that, then you are already about, about the world. Um, but if you use it like some generic fantasy, like we all play in this generic um, <laughs> fantasy-like <laughs> setting that is just implied, <laughs> implied generic uh, fantasy setting, um, then can be a bit difficult. So um, it also depends on what, what you like to do. So if you have a lot of stuff beforehand and a lot of prep, then you also have to consult a lot of tables, uh, your stuff and prep beforehand. Um, but if you just do it on the fly, then yeah, you don't have to uh, yeah, consult a lot of your prep. But yeah, it can also be a lot, a bit more difficult to come up with like in real like in a real um, tabletop game so are you more the improv gm or more the prep gm yeah i think that's true um carl actually wrote in a question uh he's he's more comfortable lurking but he's uh um he's uh, more comfortable when i he's actually at work so he's <laughs> he's, well, he's, he's joining us on the slide <laughs> <laughs> so um he had a question about um what he calls binary oracles versus oracles that have more results. So I think that like the first, for instance, one generation away from a yes, no Oracle is like uh, dungeon world or the play by uh, or powered by the apocalypse games, which gives you the success and then kind of like a mixed success and like a no, but I think he's going on even out. He says mythic has 11 different likelihoods. Um, so I, if I'm interpreting that question correctly, do you have thoughts on that, Sophia? Yeah, for me personally, I don't have um, a records where the distribution is totally random. Um, that works for me as fine as other things. I like simple stuff. So, um, as Zachary said, I like stuff that you can just um, yeah, that you can just get an easy and fast answer. That's why I prefer digital tools. So, if you uh, take the fate chart, then yeah, you have to look uh, look up. Um, yeah, like what what uh, there's a table for that and then you yeah how, how how's the probability and 
that takes too much time for me. So I use digital tools where I just do a click <laughs> and I get, get the answer. So here's the, um, here's the page chart. Yeah, perhaps I, I, I can't screen share. So if I don't know, Ray, do you have the, the fate? Um, do you have the mythic GME as a, as a PDF? Uh, as a screen, us? yeah, I, I do, but I, it'd take yeah. me a minute to get to it. So I think it's actually, it's clear enough. I think we can get the idea. Yeah, you can see it's a, it's a lot of um, rows and, so yeah yeah well okay it's yeah. not it's not really complicated to use so that's not the case but i find it just easier and faster to use to see as a digital tool where i i can with a mouse and then i just get the answer instead of looking it up <laughs> forgive me if you heard me typing i'm sorry about that but it, um i was answering we got a question that came in through a different avenue and i was just uh, checking in with that person and, and this is jerry colehurst asks um, what do people here use to determine NPC or monster actions? Mm, yeah, for Dungeon World, there's actually quite a cool tool which was written by Ray Otis. <laughs> <laughs> so for Dungeon World, I actually sometimes use um, the ra random GM move <laughs> yeah. app, which yeah. Ray himself wrote. Um, yeah, it depends on, on your system. So if you uh, play like BX, there's this um, reaction chart which you could use. Mm -hmm. um, or you could just um, ask a question, <laughs> uh, some other emulator, like, okay, will this thing attack me? Or like, is, is this, uh, is this um, innkeeper friendly or whatever? Um, or you can just yeah use your logic. So if you are in a setting where adventurers are um, yeah a hazard that people don't like adventurers because they that means that they will yeah bring trouble to the village, then people might just not be very friendly to your to your um, characters. So yeah, you can say okay yeah it's pretty likely that they won't uh, offer a lot of assistance to your players, then you can just decide, okay, so they are not friendly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, okay, it's likely that they are not friendly and like, you can use a system to check that. Yeah, it's up to you. <laughs> Total love, freedom. Think, no, go ahead. Who's... I love uh, reaction tables like that. So, uh, yeah. There is a, some, you know, some systems actually have that kind of function built in as, Sophia was saying, um, uh, GURPS and Traveler come to mind, for instance. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess if you're using a system like Mythic, you can probably just ask for, ask a, you know, either a question or something for something weirder, but yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, well, one of the things I want to make sure we work in is just some some ideas about how Dungeon World plays as a solo. And I think one of the things that, that works really well um, in terms of Dungeon World is the, is the creature moves and creature instinct. So the instinct always gives you kind of a general feel for what the monster is probably trying to achieve or, or what its nature is. But the moves themselves, usually you've got three moves or two to five moves, let's say. Um, it's very easy to randomize that list, you know. Um, to figure out what the monster is going to do. So if they've got an option like entangle you, uh, you know, um, suck, suck away a memory and, um, 
set you on fire or something like that. I don't know what kind of monster that is. It sounds horrifying, but uh, you, you could, you could pretty easily roll um, and get a result off of that. And I think you can do the same thing if, um, if you're in a specific situation and you don't have a, pre, a reaction table sitting there and you don't have a list of moves, you can, you can stop it. Like Sophia was talking about your, your, maybe you've, you've uh, messed around with a group of villagers and you can stop and think about what are some potential reactions and just very quickly list them out for yourself. Well, they might be really upset or they, um, or they might've wanted to get rid of that building anyway, or, you know, like, so give some realistic re reactions and then randomize from that. You can, it's fairly easy to build your own little table. Um, as long I, for me, it's kind of like whatever's the most fluid and it doesn't interrupt the creative process is the best thing. I don't want to go too deep into tables. So I tend to go for some fairly simple tools. Yeah, there's always the, the danger, <laughs> the danger, <laughs> danger um, to, yeah, to get bogged down too much. So, and that's also a personal preference. So people, um, some people like to, to use a lot of tables and uh, use to consult the Oracle a lot to, to really ask a lot of questions. And some people like to free flow a, a bit more. Yeah, there's, there's a line you must find for yourself in some ways. I do. And everybody's fun is a little different. So some people love going through those tables. And, uh, you know, if you're just a, a person that loves, for instance, Dungeon Call Classics that has, it's very table heavy. Um, if you love that, that's great. If that's fun for you, you know, go as deep as you want on the tables. Um, Carl has asked the magic question here. Uh, he's, he says, I've never, um, well, aside from Dungeon World, he says, I've never played Dungeon World in a live setting, but I really wanted to try it out solo. Uh, and I think the, the magic question here is, do, do you have resources where I can start? So let's talk about resources where he might start solo role-playing in general, and then maybe um, some places he might start uh, as a solo role-playing experience with Dungeon World specifically. Mm, yeah, I think the, the yeah, I have like uh, the hodgepodge <laughs> <laughs> blog post for all the solo role-playing resources. Um, which I will uh, l uh, link. Yeah, I put them in the Patreon, um, and I'll and, and I'll send them out again with yeah. the with this video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, that's right. I so, love all um, your uh, your blog posts. They're a very good resource. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. This was originally um, like when I started out, I I didn't know what what tools were available available, so I asked in the community here. So. Is there a blog post that has this, these uh, available? And it was, there wasn't. So I started a Google Doc, and yeah, and it got more and more and more and more. And then I said, okay, I put this on on my blog. It's a bit easier to maintain. So that's the the big. So I think the most I have like a, a primer for, for a very short blog post about how to get started in role playing. But what I would really recommend is a, a blog series by John Riorio. I'm not sure if I pronounced it correctly, um, uh, which was also uh, in the resources um, list that Ray gave you. So I will also uh, put that here in the Hangouts chat. Um, and this one is really like the, the best, the best intro, uh, the best guide on how to roll solo role play. Yeah, I wish I would have written that. <laughs> I was oh, I'm thinking about writing something like that, but John. And I don't think I can <laughs> I can do a better job. So this is really a, that's a good thing too. So, so yeah. for 
that's great. I think uh, for general, for Dungeon World, did you have yeah. something in particular in mind? Oh yeah, for Dungeon World, um, yeah, for Dungeon World, I have, um, um, I have um, two blog posts where I play a, a solo game of uh, Dungeon World. Uh, the links, I, I don't have the links at the moment, but. Uh, Ray has them, I think. Yeah, I do. So, um, so yeah, perhaps you can just link them at the moment. I, and, I'll tell you where I started um, with with Dungeon World specifically. I was a little afraid to. to I was. I decided I was going to have four characters when I was when I did some play leading up to this event, so I wouldn't be completely unprepared. And uh, I decided I was going to have four characters, and I was a little intimidated by uh, trying to manage four playbooks because it's a lot of different moves plus the basic moves and. Um, I don't really think it would be that hard, but honestly, I, I'm a little lazy. So I, uh, I grabbed um, John Harper's World of Dungeons, which is just a very much a kind of pared down version of Dungeon World into just kind of one uh, type of resolution role and uh, made the four characters. So that I thought was a pretty good place to start to get your feet wet with the system before you move to the playbooks maybe. And then I would say that the, the Adventure Starters uh, um, format that Marshall Miller uh, put together is kind of, uh, I, for me, it's it's been an ideal format for a lot of things. Um, but what I really like about it is they start off with questions. And if you answer those questions, you very quickly develop a lot of story um, and a lot of places to go. So I really think that's a good place to start is to pull up one mm. of those starters, just answer the questions, um, maybe read the impressions first and kind of get an idea of some things that you might respond to in the mm. environment. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I did. I actually used um, uh, uh, Logan's, uh, Logan, I'm going to mess up, mess up his name. I think it's a Logan Howard, uh, his sword breaker zine. The second one really, I thought looked really fun. It's got kind of a dark sun, like weird vibe to it. And it's in five parts, which makes it, I think, ideal for solo role playing because you can kind of answer the questions, do the impressions, address the threats in one part and then move to the next part. You're not trying to do the whole, like uh, get your mind around the whole thing at once. So that that really taught me something and I'm thinking about writing some modules in that kind of format for solo role playing specifically, but. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's some good ideas. Yeah, I think that the adventure starters or the adventure the, um, in Dungeon World, they work really, really well because they are not um, as, um, yeah, it's predefined as uh, like, for example, D&D modules. So I think that's a good uh, good, good starting point to use um, one of the adventure starters. Um, I've been using uh, jo Joey Banner's adventure starters, so they, they work too. Yeah, um, World of Dungeons is, is a good place to start because it's very simple. Um, but if you've already played Dungeon World, it's also okay to, to use um, Dungeon World playbooks. Um, I um, I've used the consolidated one-page dungeon sheets so that you have each character on one sheet and you don't have like several sheets to manage. So that's that's also um, a way mm -hmm. to go. I had a question yeah. for you. Um, so when I when I think about um, actually like sitting down to do a solo role playing game for for you, do you have like a ritual that helps you get into the headspace, or is it just like you're sitting on the train and then your mind starts to wander and now you're solo role playing? What's what's that like for you? Um, 
yeah, I don't have a ritual, but it's just when I say, okay, let's, I just want to play a game. I'm also not like, so, <laughs> um, I know there are a lot of people in the solo role-player community that, that do a lot of prep, so I don't uh, do a lot of this. So Dungeon World really fits it well because you can uh, use the dungeon status and come up with a lot of this stuff um, uh, on the fly. I play mostly with digital tools, so I just open my uh, preferred tools uh, a document where I write down my stuff. Um, for Dungeon World, I use the Dungeon World as SRD as a reference instead of the real book. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, a solo engine, like, um, yeah, for instance, Adventure Smith, which, which is an Android app, or um, other tools. That's a pretty cool question, Michael. I actually like that idea. Uh, I was just thinking, like, man, I should have a ritual. Uh, yeah. I do think there's, yeah, it's a good I idea. Think, it's a good idea. Yeah, I do think for me, it's it's a quiet time kind of thing. So I reduce distractions. I turn off. Maybe I'll turn on some music, non non lyrical music. Um, I'll turn off things that I think might be distracting, even on my computer. You know, uh, turning off like mail and things that might ding you while you're trying to play. Um, but other than that, I, and you know, I always feel like I'm kind of arranging my space right before I play too. But other than that, I don't really have any kind of ritual. Yeah, the good thing about solo ripping is um, that you can just fit it in into a, a small time slot and just play like one or two scenes, or perhaps just do some some little prep before and then say I just stop. So because I don't have the time anymore, and then just stop, and then I play at another time there i think there are people who play on on their commute <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's that might be a bit difficult because of all the stuff you have to but there are people that, that do that that just have a notebook and perhaps and their mobile phone to have a randomizer yeah you can do it too so i can play on your commute and then just stop <laughs> if time runs out and just restart the game when you have time again yeah i have a, i actually wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about modules so we, we've talked some about um, different systems and emulators, uh, but the idea of a module, like, a, like an adventure, is there anything you look for specifically when you're, when you're picking out which, um, you know, zine or module or whatever that you're going to use to play through? Yeah, just what, <laughs> no, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have a preference in, in that way, just what, what I like. So <laughs> if I read something, I say, Oh, well, this, this sounds cool. So I like, let's, let's try it out. Um, it's, it's a bit difficult to play pre-published adventures, especially the, as not, not for dungeon world. Like if you play like a normal D and D module, um, that's a bit, bit difficult. It can be done. Um, I think the dungeon world adventures, adventures started, they are a much better, format for solo role playing yeah but you always have the difficulty that you either have to read through all of it and then yeah the surprise element is is gone at least a bit so you mm -hmm. have to compartmentalize a bit um uh, yeah or you you just read a little bit and then yeah it can be a bit difficult to figure out how to continue the adventure i agree i've had more luck so, with um, yeah. that with open-ended systems and random generators than with really linear modules. Um, the, the, one of the first times I played outside of like a, a that choose your own adventure style where it's really programmed. Um, I just used the random dungeon generator in the back of the old dungeon master's guide. 
and you know, I'd build the room and then populate it with threats. And then I would just kind of ask myself, how does this make sense in the context of the overall dungeon? Why is this here? Why is this room here? Um, and then, and then, you know, walk into it and kind of do what I do, you know, do what my character is going to do inside of it. Um, but there was no linearity to it in the sense that like there's no puzzles that, um, that have one right answer or, you know, traps that are secret doors that if you don't find them, you miss a whole section. One of the uh, modules I've always been, I've been curious about, I don't know how many folks are familiar with uh, Pelgrane Press. Um, they've released a couple of weird uh, products for their gumshoe games, which are basically giant lists of NPCs and locations and stuff, which are kind of meant to be improvisationally combined on the fly at the table into kind of an ongoing investigative storyline. Um, I've always been kind of curious to see how those would work solo, but haven't yet figured out how exactly to do that. Um, but I think that might be an interesting change from the traditional sort of module since nobody would know what was happening until right. improvisation happened in some form. Uh, Zachary, are you talking about like the Armitage papers? Like yes, I am. Mm -hmm. And the Dracula dossier for Knights of Mage Black mm -hmm. Agents. Yeah. Exactly. I do think I do think those would be interesting because you're right. They're not. There's not one right answer to those. They're just mysteries and and clues, right? Um, I had another question. I guess this one's specifically about Dungeon World. Um, some of the moves in Dungeon World are are. Um, so like actually let's just narrow it down to one let's talk about the the discern realities move so there's these questions under discern realities what happened here recently what's about to happen what should i be on the lookout for what here is useful or valuable who's really in control what here is not what it appears to be um i mean i think the easy answer to this is that you just toss it back on yourself as the player uh, of a character to answer those questions but i wonder if there's if did you find that sophia when you were playing through dungeon world did you find any of those very specific fictional moves, uh, kind of an awkward fit for solo role-playing? Mm, in some ways not, because you, um, yeah, you are the player and you are the, the GM too. So does it really matter if you answer at the player, as the player or as the GM, so because you're the same person? So um, yeah, I would just, if, I would just say, um, yeah, just, it depends on, on the situation. So it, just uh, ask, answer, uh, what you would answer if you were a player, perhaps. So, um, mm. I, I, I think Dungeon World really. There, I don't see, I don't see a problem with Dungeon World uh, as a solo game, because the nature of Dungeon World is is very open ended, and as as a player, you have a lot of input. Um, um, it's. Yeah, it's a bit different than, than perhaps classical D&D, &D, which was where a lot of the responsibility for the world building was on the GM's shoulders. In Dungeon World, you have this yeah collaborative um, world building. And as a solo player, um, of course, it's all, all on your shoulders. But um, yeah, you are the players and you are the GM. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's your responsibility anyway. So just... Um, make stuff yeah. up uh, that uh, makes Maybe. sense for you. That makes sense for you as a player and sense for you perhaps even as the, as the GM. 
and yeah, you can also go crazy and then then it's just a surprise <laughs> i mean i yeah i think that's totally true and, and you know like i said you if you if you give easy answers to things then you are um you're really kind of cheating your own fun so make it interesting make it painful make it weird right like try to try to use those idea uh, motivations when you answer questions like what's something okay here's my first answer that pops into my head what's my second or third answer because the first one is probably not the most interesting one you know um and try to push yourself a little bit creatively it's always a good good thing uh steve christensen yeah, you can, um, to... go ahead sorry yeah you can use the yeah like like a tool like the solo engine or image prompts or whatever to mix it up a bit so if you really don't know what what the potential answer could be to the discern realities move perhaps you can just yeah find something uh, <laughs> that um, will give you an answer and then try to make sense of it and mm -hmm. just uh, and don't forget if if you come up with something like if you use a a random and generator and it really really doesn't make any sense and you just you you sit there and think oh mate what could could this be and then you sing and think okay and then you 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 don't come up with something and just let's scratch that and come up with something else so even if you use use a solo engine or use a random generator you you are not bound to to use the results if they really don't make any sense Right. I think that's an important point because at, when I started uh, solo role playing, sometimes I, I used the story cubes, and then sometimes, I, yeah, the answer just was so strange that I said, "Okay, what could this image be yeah. fun either?" So just scratch that and <laughs> do a different die roll or use a yeah, different totally. generator until you find something that yeah makes some sense and which you can work with. Mm -hmm. So we have a couple uh, call-in, write-in kind of things. Um, Steve Christensen has, has reminded us that uh, Jason Lutz had collected both Mark Tigert and, and Marshall Miller's starters in a collection on drive-through, and I'll put that link up. Um, Michael, um, his last name's getting chopped. Oh, that's you, Michael. So Mike, Mike had asked, uh, uh, um, when you solo role play, are you interested in sharing your games as, a, as an actual play? Do you write, type, record it, stream of consciousness style, or do you record your thoughts afterwards? I mean, just real quickly for me, I, um, I am interested in that. Like, I think it's kind of fun to put together the notes of like what happened and tell a little story. Um, I've seen guys do it uh, as YouTube videos. Um, I know Sophia writes hers up. Uh, and so for me, that's part of the experience. Sophia, do you feel like if you didn't write it up, that wouldn't, that it would kind of cut your short, yeah. your fun short? Yeah. For me, it's a bit too difficult to just have it all in my head because then it mm -hmm. just doesn't feel like a game anymore. Um, I find it easier to write stuff down. So, um, that, um, yeah, that, that <laughs> puts the, the, like the mental overload, which Zachary, um, already uh, talked about it just puts it a bit yeah. down on onto paper or digital paper um that's true but do you uh, share I it uh, i was gonna say do you share it though primarily to help other people see what's going on or do you like sharing it for the social aspect of sharing the story <laughs> um i yeah i like sharing it for for the social aspect and um but i also try to format my blog posts so that um people might might learn a bit about how to use it it's it's a bit difficult to teach this just via writing so um 
there's um, a guy called um, Tamal something, and he's he's got um, actual play reports uh, which he's doing uh, via YouTube. I think these are mm -hmm. uh, points to see how does it actually look <laughs> like in like in reality. Um, I don't use a stream of consciousness writing um, when I play. I really um, I write it down almost like um, I write it down for the blog post. So it's um, it's I I don't do a lot of format uh, formatting afterwards. Um, so um, yeah, there are people who um, um, use pen and paper and just write um, shorthand um, stuff just for their own interest. So um, that's that's a possibility too. But because I know that I will share it as a blog post, um, I yeah I type it off up neatly <laughs> so that so you know you I, I also write out all the conversations or something like that. I mean, you could just uh, like if you have a converse, conversation with with like a sus suspect in, in in an investigative game, you could just say, okay, that's what what he gives me. Like, okay, yeah. this is the this is the guy I saw. So I can get. Or you can really just type up this whole conversation. Just yeah. So you primarily you're saying you you kind of format as you go. So so like like I'm I'm kind of the opposite, which is I scratch down a bunch of notes and then afterwards I end up typing my way back through it and then filling in some gaps and stuff. So I I think that's that's an interesting distinction. It's probably smart to do it. <laughs> I think maybe as I get more experienced, I'll format as I go, so I don't spend so much time afterwards. Um, we had another question uh, from a gentleman named Follow Me and Die. Uh, it says, have you tried a hex crawl for solo games? Um, I haven't yet, but um, yeah, um, one of my recent game was a Maze Rats game, um, which is an old school minimalist, um, yeah, minimalist game. And um, I set that up in a borderland village and um, I think I could use uh, this as a starting point for a hex crawl game. Um, there's um, just today, <laughs> I found a really cool, interesting uh, blog post by um, Paul Baldowski. He uh, wrote, writes a blog post about Symbarum, um, the Swedish game. And uh, his idea was to to use um, the Rory Story Cubes um, on the go for creating your hex map. So. Um, you could um, have a hex map with some blanks filled in and some, yeah, some entries which um, where you already know that it's a swamp or something like that. And um, then when you uh, come, go to the, the the hex, then you can use the the story cube to generate the contents of the hex. So that's that's the rules, like the D thirty send. What, what's called a sandbox companion or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that post. I'll make sure we get that linked. Okay, so uh, Sophia, let's start with you in terms of like thinking about uh, getting towards a wrap up here. Um, is there anything on your agenda that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get around to today? Hmm, good question. <laughs> um, yeah, the... I think the the most interesting thing is um, about solo roping is that um, yeah it's it's a different experience than than um, 
the normal <laughs> social role playing um but it's also a very rewarding experience and it's a bit weird <laughs> but um aren't we all weird um yeah and um the good thing is just that you can um if if you have a game that you want to play like dungeon world um i play dungeon world with my a normal um gaming group and um the people didn't like it they said okay no why ask me i want you as the gm to do the world building i don't want to decide all this stuff so if you if you don't have group to play dungeon world with you can test it out in a solo play and then you can at least get um an idea about how the game is played so that's 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 a cool thing though yeah it's great questions from anybody else that's online or thoughts Uh, I had a quick question. Um, I don't know, maybe it's more directed at Ray's experience, but um, when you're playtesting mechanics, is there any particular benefit to doing that in a solo format as opposed to in a chaotic, maybe more chaotic group format? Is the level of control that you have with a solo game uh, in any way useful? Or are you just designing a mechanic for yourself and then when it gets to the wider world it falls apart um, so I, i'm kind of thinking about the intersection of solo and design mm -hmm. that's a great question um i would say that there is absolutely some usefulness uh, to that because uh so it depends on how tolerant your group of friends slash play testers are but i don't like to put stuff in people's hands that is that is not at least workable in some fashion um so even if it's maybe not fun or not right that's a different thing but i like to play it enough on my own to make sure that the mechanic at least uh, gives me a decent range of results and like it isn't broken you know it doesn't doesn't break down quickly um as a play tester i appreciate that when somebody does you know when somebody hands me something that's sort of obviously broken in the first 10 minutes i'm thinking how did you not figure that out so i i think it's good to run through that to kind of I mean, you can't catch everything, but at least to do your due diligence to to test it before you put it in the hands of somebody else. Um, and I cheat a lot by writing for systems that are kind of unbreakable. Like I think Dungeon World, as long as you're not stacking plus ones, plus ones, you really can't break it. Uh, so I would say for a solo playtest, uh, there's not much of an interest. Probably, so you can just test the mechanics in like in mock combats or mock conflicts and yeah that's totally doable solo because you just yeah, create some characters and then pair them up and let them fight against arena style perhaps against uh, like some monsters and then you can easily figure out if something is really totally broken and that's yeah, yeah that's doable so i think that's that's a normal game to normal way to test wouldn't it <laughs> so. Great question. Anybody else? Uh, I know that. Um, so this is this is my first experience, kind of hosting this kind of thing online. Um, I'm sure I've made some mistakes. I have a feeling that I the link I put out earlier may have been not the. I know Rich Rich Rogers is feeding me some questions from someplace else, and I think maybe I've messed up the linking. Um, so, but if any, if you have any feedback afterwards about how this was set up. Um, like uh, whether there's enough talk time for everybody involved, uh, sound quality, 
uh, advertise, you know, publicizing it ahead of time. If you have any comments, I'd love to hear those afterwards. We'll, we'll definitely, I'm going to be doing these on a monthly basis and uh, definitely want to get better at them and make them. Um, I'm actually really happy with the conversation we've had today. And I feel like once we, once we wrap this up and leave it out there that it's useful for other people to go and watch. And I want to make sure that that's a, uh, that's the kind of result I, I get from all of these. So any other final thoughts from all of you? Thank you. No, thank you for yeah. a really wonderful yeah. experience. And, yes, thanks uh, for listening. Yeah. My huge first time to Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a huge thanks to you, Sophia. We've never really met before, so it was great to... <laughs> I mean, I put the call yeah, out that no. you answered right away, and so was, I'm, I'm really excited that you joined us all the way from Germany. So. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. So, yeah, I am... Um, I already told Ray that <laughs> I was one of the three people who translated his uh, game, um, uh, um, Sorcerers and Thoughts, into German. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a cool thing. So it was interesting uh, to meet afterwards <laughs> online, at least. <laughs> yeah. After translating it. Yeah, that was a big surprise for me. Thanks for doing that. That's that's awesome. It was really exciting to hear somebody, you know, taking something you did. And, and I mean, that's really John Harper's game. I just kind of retooled it. But uh, it's cool to, to um, hear that. That was very gratifying. So thank you all. Uh, I think I'll probably go ahead and shut the feed down now, but I'm willing to call this one a success. And, and we'll see you on Patreon uh, Plundergrounds Hangout number two in about a month. Is that where this was advertised? I only saw it by uh, the Lone Wolf Post, and this is the first I'd heard of it. So, for future reference, <laughs> yeah, it um, it so it is. It went out first to my Patreons for the um, so plundergrounds.com/slash Rayotis. Um, if you're a patron, it went out to there first, and then because I wanted some more participants, I threw it up on different boards here in the last couple of days and and today. So um, ah. if you came in by a different, that's that's where it came from. There. <laughs> and thanks for joining us, Zachary. That was a great viewpoint that you added. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. I'm Ray Otis, and you've been listening to Plundergrounds. The opening and closing music was You Can Use by Captive Portal. As always, you can find links to all my projects at www.rayotus.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. And until next time, look out for rust monsters.